I imagine that many of us, if we, we had a one-on-one conversation, you could tell me about some life-changing relationships in your life. Some people that have truly just made all the difference in the world. Some of them are people that you knew very well. Some of them are complete and total strangers. And some are in between. They started as strangers, now they're good friends, something. But I think every single one of us has, has kind of come to that place where we have those people that have really changed our life. And what we want to do here at the, at the fellowship is we want to express the core value of we believe in life-changing relationships. We think they're one of the core of who we are. We think it really is so important that we make it a, a, really a teaching moment for you to let you know, even the introverts of the room. Introverts, don't raise your hand because I know it scares you. But even for you, we want you and every person in this place to have life-changing relationships because we believe they're the difference maker in your lives. God did not create us to go solely by ourselves. God did not choose to put us on this world just to go our own way. He actually built us and created us for relationship, both relationship with him, which we'll talk about, and relationship with other people that we'll also talk about. But I want you to be thinking all throughout the day of the people that in your life that really led you into a deeper meaning relationship with Jesus Christ this morning as we go throughout this message. Because it's that relationship that I want you to think about and meditate on just a little bit this morning as we read the scriptures and you begin to think about the message and, and just, the, just the life, the investment that those people have made into your life. I want you to pray about someone else that would come next to you and you would be able to do the same thing for them. Scary, I know, for the introverts. But you can do it because I believe in you and so does Jesus because he created you. So as we get into this, I really want you to think about, man, we got to get in some life-changing relationships. And if you don't have them, if you would say, you know what, I don't have anybody that really is invested in my life and really has just sparked the difference in my life. I just want to say welcome to the fellowship. We are not perfect people. We don't have all the answers that we wish we did. We, did, we can't snap our fingers and make everything better the way we wish we could. But we as a church body want to be in relationship with people just like you. And we want to be able to invest in your life because we believe that you can invest in our lives. And we want you to be able to come alongside with us and let's change each other's lives together, not for our benefit or our personal glory, but so we can see Jesus in every relationship that he has. Just as scripture says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We want to have life-changing relationships in our church. And so we're glad you're here this morning. We want to encourage you with that, but be thinking about who are those people in my life that have really changed my life, including your relationship with Jesus. Think about this, and let me just tell you a little quick story. Imagine, if you will, that there are two men sitting in jail. And if you've ever been to jail, then you know that scary proposition. It's not the most friendly of places. I do remember when I went to college that we, we visited jail. We had to stay on a very specific line. If you change colors, then you might change uniforms. That's kind of the thing that would happen there. So we were just visiting, and I mean, even though there was glass between me and some of the, the men on the other side of the wall, I was, I was a little nervous. Scary proposition. But imagine there's two men in this jail. And on one side, you have one man that's truly guilty of a crime. He's guilty of murder. He's been convicted. He's awaiting sentencing knowing that he is going to face the punishment of all punishment, it's going to happen. On the other side of the room, you have another person. It's this neighbor. It's in the other room or in the other cell next to him. This person is completely and totally innocent, but has been accused of a crime that they did not commit. Yet they're sitting in the same area, the same block, the same jail cell. They're waiting for them to be, both of them face sentencing. So imagine this, the guilty man goes into goes into the court, sees the judge, and is waiting for it. And all of a sudden, the judge says, um, I don't know how to tell you this, 
but you are completely and totally pardoned for the murder that you, create, that you committed. Many of us would have an instant problem with that. And so obviously the man was, was very excited. He's like, man, I'm, in it. Well, I'm not innocent, but I'm, I'm pardoned and I'm able to go free. How in the world does this happen? He said, you know, the person sitting next to you, the neighbor in the jail said, he said, even though he's innocent, he wants to take the full weight of all your punishment. And he's going to take every ounce of punishment that you're going to receive. And he's doing it because he loves you. Man, I'm telling you right now, if I'm the murderer, there are two things running through my head. No way, and I better not mess this up. Because in our lifetimes, what we see is that Jesus Christ has given us the greatest life-changing relationship ever. A man that committed no crimes, no sins, did nothing wrong. Yet in the moment of judgment said, I will take on your punishment. I will take on the crime. I will take on the due consequences and set you free. Because I love you that much. That is the greatest life-changing relationship that any of us will ever face. And so as we, begin to think of, as we begin to think of these relationships, I want you to see the tagline that the elders have kind of come up with this life-changing relationship based on Jesus taking everything for, for us to give us that life change. We said this. We said, we believe that genuine transformation, genuine life-change transformation starts with that relationship with Christ and includes a lifelong journey that is best shared with others as, we, as life and faith intersect with one another. Life-changing relationships here at the church start with that relationship with Jesus and then continue with the people around you. So let's don't make it too awkward, but look, look around the people around you right now. Just, just take a look. Turn your head. Stretch a little bit. It's okay. Jesus placed you in this place to walk through life with these people. He placed you in opportunities so you could grow with these individuals. You were like, I don't know this person. They're a stranger. They're not a stranger by accident. They might be here so you could build a relationship with them and you could see and show them Jesus in you. We believe that to be so important. I love what Romans says in Romans chapter 5, verses, uh, Romans chapter five verses 6 through 8. It's not on the screen. Just listen to it really carefully. But Paul writes this to the Roman church. He says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Follow with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You can listen. It'll be on the screen for you as well. But listen here. It says, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new or she is a new creation. The new has come, the old is gone. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling to the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled, uh, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. All these things, and just to give you a quick synopsis of both of these, first and foremost, before you even knew it, Christ died for you. Life-changing relationship with you started before you were even born. 
That Jesus took the penalty and the punishment and said, I want to be in your life. I want to love you. I want to care for you. Even when you screw up, even when you do something totally wrong, even when you let everybody down, I will not let you down. I will not disown you. I will not not care for you. I will love you and I will give you grace and I will give you mercy. I want to change your life. That's what Jesus did for us. Followed on with what Paul writes to the Corinthian church. And not only did Jesus make us new creations, give us new hope, new opportunities, new situations sometimes to be in. But he also gave us a purpose to reach to the persons next to us and bring them into a relationship with Jesus so they too could experience the same thing as us. Some of you, it's a scary thought to think that what Jesus did for you, you are supposed to help with somebody else because you're afraid of messing it up. And I'm telling you, key in on the words that we used just a few minutes ago, it is best a journey shared with friends. We want you to have relationships with other people because we want them to be able to see what Jesus has done with you and be able to grow you and develop you as a disciple of Jesus Christ who will gather, grow, and go. But it's not just about how you have been and what your story is, but it's also about the people next to you. Because some of the people next to you aren't the hardened sinners that you think they might be because we kind of alluded to that. They actually might be about three steps in front of you spiritually and they could actually make you stronger as a believer and encourage you. I was just talking to uh, Patty Dennison just a few minutes ago. I got to spend some time with Marshall in the hospital and I don't want to embarrass Marshall so if that embarrasses you, brother, I apologize. But I told Patty just this. I said, you know what was amazing? Marshall and I spent about 30 to 45 minutes together in the hospital just a, just a few days ago. I'm the one that walked out encouraged because of the life-changing relationship that we have with each other. Marshall didn't know that he was encouraging me, but it was so important. Marshall and I, you know, and, and this, ain't, this isn't, you know, preview information. Marshall and I don't run in the same circles. We don't eat at the same restaurants. We don't sing the same music. But that man means a lot to me because of the relationship that I was able to build with him. That's the relationship that we want you to have with people around here. Do I expect you, does the fellowship, do the elders, the staff leadership, do we expect you to have 350 life-changing relationships? No, that's too many. I mean, you can know those people on Facebook and you can connect with them and like and heart and ha-ha, whatever you do on Facebook and social media. But man, if you just had like a handful of relationships that you could walk through life together, you could just, just lean on them in times that it's troubling. If you could just lean on them when it just stuff's not going right, I promise you they're going to lean back on you when stuff's not going right on their end, and you're going to be stronger together than you would be apart. There's a time in the Bible, and I want you to go there. It's in 1 Samuel 18. I'm going to set it up this way. Many of you know it's the story of David and Jonathan and Saul. And there's two sets of relationships that we're about to see. But before we get there, let me set it up this way. We have an opportunity or we have a choice to make. You, you, you decide what you want, how you want to look at it. You can either choose to be in relationship and watch the relationship flourish, or you can choose to keep relationships at an arm's length and whatever happens, happens. I pray that you don't do the choose at arm's length and whatever happens, happens. We, we, we pray. I mean, elders and staff leadership and staff at this campus and staff at Mount Juliet and life groups have been praying. We pray that everybody is just welcome into the fold. We want you, we want you a lot closer than arm's length. Don't make it awkward, as Autumn likes to say from time to time. We don't want to make it awkward, but we want you to be in relationship with us because we feel like everybody can lift each other up and we can make each other better. Well, last week we said it, plurality and leadership makes each other better. We could do that, but we have to be in relationship with one another. Jesus Christ cannot make you better if you don't have a relationship with him. Jesus Christ cannot do anything for you until you enter into a relationship where you're investing in that relationship, reading the, reading the scriptures and praying and talking. We'll get into some of that in a little bit. 
But here in this moment in 1 Samuel 18, there's a choice that David has to make, Saul has to make, and Jonathan has to make. What kind of relationship do I want? And as you think about it in your terms, in your circle, I want to ask you the same question. What kind of relationships do I want? What do I feel that I need to be in? So let's go to chapter 18, verses 1 through 9. David has already been anointed as a king. Saul knows that he's about to, to lose his throne. I'm pretty sure Jonathan, who is Saul's son, he understands that he is not going to be the next king of Israel. That would have been kind of a huge pill to swallow if you were the anointed one or you were the next chosen one, and then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I am not the anointed one. I am not the next chosen one. Can you imagine Jonathan's reaction to not being named king? Hmm. That would have been a tough pill to swallow. So let's pick it up in chapter 18. Let's see how all three of those men reacted to this moment in time. Verse 18, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. And from that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. So Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. And Jonathan took off his robe that he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic, even his sword, his bow, and his belt. And whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that David, or that Saul gave him a high ranking in the army. And this pleased all the troops as, Saul's officer, as, as well as Saul's officers. And when the men returned home, David had killed the Philistine. The women came out in the town of Israel to meet King Saul, were singing and dancing with joyful songs and trembles and lyres. And as they danced, they sang, Saul has slain thousands, but David has slain tens of thousands. And then Saul became very angry, and this refrain displeased them greatly. They credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but only me with thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And at this time, Saul kept a close eye on David. In this scripture, there's a tension that we now face. What do we do with the relationships that we build? The old way is to like, you know, as long as I'm in control, I'm just going to do me. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to control the narrative. I'm going to let people in that I want to let in. I'm going to talk to the people I want to talk to. And I'm only going to do the things that bring me pleasure and glory. Then there's the new way of I don't have enough people in my life. And any person I can build a friendship with, any person that I feel I could add into my life, maybe I could add into their life, and we're going to build a solid relationship, a solid friendship that makes us both better, but not only the both of us or the three or four of us, but the people around us. Maybe it's our life group. Maybe it's a ministry that we're a part of. Maybe it's our neighborhood that we live in. Maybe it's the workplace environment. But I'm going to make this place a new place. I'm going to become what Scripture later says, a new creation. I want to do it a new way. Are you with me on the tension? New way, a lot of growth, a lot of happening. Old way, a lot of isolation. And please don't take this personally like I just said all you people want to be isolated. Don't do that. But we have this tension. And every time you build a new relationship, isn't it that tension that you face? Do I really want to let you in or do I want to keep you at arm's length? Do I want to grow together with you or do I just want to just, hey, man, high five? What do we do? That's kind of the tension that we face as a church as we think about the ministry that we get to do in the neighborhoods in which we represent and the cities that we represent. Do we want to go and take the message of the gospel to the people or do we want to just hope that they show up here? 
We want to be a church that's changing lives and building life-changing relationships, meaning we got to not only teach people here, we got to take the ministry outside the building walls and go out and build life-changing relationships in the towns and cities and workplaces in which we, in which we grow. We want to be the one that's more like Jonathan and less like Saul. So let's dive in a little deeper about that. Saul represents the old life. Saul represents the relationship that he and David have represent the old life or the, kind of that old way of thinking. Saul had an opportunity to know the next king, had an opportunity to really begin to see that there was something there that God was doing, and I get to be a part of it. Yet Saul said when he saw what God was doing, he got jealous and he got mad. And he said, you know what, God, I'm not in on this. And so he represents kind of that old way of thinking. Saul had experienced God elevate him, but once he lost sight of what God was doing, his status became more important to him. Saul's status. I want what I'm doing more important than anybody else. Anybody ever face that in their life? I would love to be in a relationship, but what I'm doing is more important than building a relationship with you. Saul wanted to elevate himself. Saul represents us in our fight for our own throne. We're in a dog-eat-dog society. We've got to do all the things instantaneously, the things that bring us pleasure, the things that bring us glory, the things that bring us happiness. We have to do the things that really begin to set us apart because what is happening here is you got to basically you got to start living selflessness. And Saul didn't want any part of that. When we're taking or we're, when we're trying to be the king and queen of our own lives, we just try to control all the circumstances, but there's no room for others. Some of us are the happiest, miserablest people. We're the happiest because I don't have to worry about anything else, but we're miserable because we're by ourselves. And that's not what God is calling us to do. God is not calling us to isolation. He's calling us to inclusion and relationship building. And so we want to be a part of that. We can turn and embrace, embrace the, the giver of life, the one that created us. We can embrace the people that God is bringing into our lives. But Saul doesn't do that. It says here in 1 Samuel, verses 14 and 15, it says, And everything he did, everything David did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. Verse 15 says, When Saul, when Saul saw, try that ten times, how successful he was, Saul became afraid of David. Don't be afraid if somebody's better than you. Don't be afraid if somebody is better than you at something because when we're better, when we're together, everybody's better. We need people to elevate ourselves. Saul would have benefited from David if he was successful in victory. He would have elevated himself as a military leader. If, if Saul would have realized how worshipful and how hard of the God David had, he would have been a more worshipful person. Saul lost his kingdom because Saul said, it's about me. Let's don't lose our life because it's about you. Let's don't get up to heaven and realize all the opportunities we missed because it was about you. We have a saying here at the church, we over me. I want to develop the we. I want to develop the people around me, the, the groups around me, because it's really going to be important for us. When we worship ourselves, the goal is always more, but it's only about the more that we can achieve. Two things creep in when it's about us and when it's about achieving more, fear and worry. You know, Jesus has a whole passage in Matthew chapter 6 where he talks about worry. 
Do you know what Jesus says in there that's really powerful that you need to go back and read maybe as a quiet time this week in Matthew chapter 6? He says this, if God created you, and God created the birds of the air, and he takes care of all their need, why would God not do that for you? If God has created everything, if God has taken all care of all the details, and God has done so many things in our life, why would we assume that he would never take care of us? Don't worry about what tomorrow brings. Don't worry about what you have or what you don't have. As long as you have a relationship with Jesus, as long as you are invested in that relationship, the worry doesn't have to exist and fear doesn't have to win. But if God is absent from your life, if Saul is absent from your life, or excuse me, not Saul, if Jesus is absent from your life, then you're going to be like Saul where fear and worry rule the day. And if you find yourself in fear and worry, let me encourage you right here. This is where you need to build different relationships. First, your relationship with Jesus. Second, your relationship with other people. Because they can make all the difference in the world. When you're in control of your own, your own security, your own significance, your own satisfaction, you should be worried. Because you're not about worried about relationships, you're just worried about your own kingdom. And when we fight for our own kingdom, we isolate ourselves from everybody else. Are you lonely? It might be because everybody's at an arm's length when God wants you to draw them in a little closer. And, and let's just pause real quick. Some of you have had some really rough times where you've kind of allowed yourself to be at arm's length because of circumstances that, it had, that you've had in your life. We're not making fun of you. We're not judging you. We just want to encourage you. You need to loosen the grip and allow God's grace to flow inside of that, that little barrier that you've created and watch God do some different things. Because God didn't create you to stay isolated on an island. He created you for relationship. And you've had some bad situations that have pulled the trust and pulled the kind of rug from underneath you. And I'm sorry that you've had those experiences. I really am. That's one of those situations where I'm saying, I wish we had all the, like, snap our fingers and make everything better. I wish I had all the answers to tell you exactly why things happen. I just don't. The only thing I do know is Jesus can make it better if you will allow him to come into your circle and kind of invade the territory in which you've set up. Allow his grace and his love, because I promise you, along with that love and grace, is going to come one, two, three, ten, twenty relationships that are going to uplift you and encourage you along the way. But you've got to be willing to do it. You've got to be willing to do it. For going back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 20. Starting with, therefore, if anyone's a Christ is a new creation... The old, is, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Jonathan represents that. Jonathan represents that new life. Going back to 1 Samuel 18, do you notice what Jonathan removes? He removes his robe. Basically his royal robe and says, David, I want you to take my royal robe. I want you to be able to take it. I want you to be able to embrace it because this robe is about to become yours. This is going to be you. He takes off his tunic and he takes off his weapons and he gives them to him as in a moment of humble submission saying, you are now my king. You are now the one that I will follow. I'm going to give you all my support. I'm going to give you all my love and all my dedication. I'm going to lift you up. You never hear Jonathan say, that's my place, get out of it. You never hear him say, go get your own. You never hear him say a bad word against God. You see him establish a relationship saying, even though I, in my mind, deserve what you're getting, because God has called you to it, then I want to serve and I want to follow you. I want to build a friendship with you. 
The Bible is so, so expressive about the relationship that they have that they loved each other beyond brothers in such a way that we hope that we have the same relationship with one another here. That we would have that kind of relationship that through thick, through thin, through what I deserve and what I get, I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to support you. There were probably times in, in David's life where Jonathan kind of helped him learn and grow as that royal leader. As that, hey, here's what the palace looks like. Here are the people that you should probably leave out there. And these are the people you should bring in. These are the people that you should probably just allow them in charge of things. He probably coached him along the way. He also was able to go, you know what? I'm going to put my army and the people that are supporting me, we're going to put them around you. What is a beautiful thing about life-changing relationships in this church, if you build a friendship here, generally you don't build a friendship with one person. You build a friendship with a lot of people because everybody seems to be connected to everybody. And not a gossipy way. But in a way said, you know what, hey, I'm so glad I met you. I actually have a friend that can help you in that situation. Let me introduce you. And now you have two friendships. Hey, you've got something that really is kind of in your, in your life, in your scenario, what, what you're struggling with. You know what, let me, let me bring somebody in and just help you. And just allow the relationships to grow around you where over time you're like, wow, I didn't realize I knew so many people here at this church. How incredible it could be if you would be like Jonathan. When we collaborate with God in establishing his kingdom, with God's kingdom, we welcome and anticipate life change with others. Jonathan loved him as himself. Paul writes this in, in Colossians 3. Kind of a way you can look at Jonathan's life in, verse, in chapter 18. You can see this. But Paul writes this to the Colossian church. He says, look, whatever you do, whatever relationship you find yourself in, however you serve within that relationship, however you begin to really just, just find yourself investing, do it with all of your heart, working as if for the Lord, not a human master since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as reward. It's the Lord Christ that you are serving. Jonathan gives up his throne as if to serve the Lord, not to serve David. Jonathan places his weapons, relinquishing authority to serve the Lord, to serve David. Jonathan functionally bows in allegiance to David, saying whatever God wants is more important than I want. All these things are happening in that life-changing relationship. You know, Justin's been talking to us quite a bit about improving 20%. 2020, clarity. We think about vision. We all pray that we go to the eye doctor and get that 2020 vision. We need to grow 20% in the relationships that we, that we have. We need to add to the relationships and the life-changing relationships that we had. So let's start with that relationship with Jesus. How are we going to increase our relationship with Jesus? First, we've got to increase our time. To have life-changing, life-giving relationships in us means that we have to learn how to do that. That means we got to learn from the person that created the relationships in the first place and the persons we want to have relations with. we got to spend time with the Lord. You think about how much time that you spend with the Lord right now, and you add 20% to that. You know, for some of you, that's not a, that's not a hard ask. You're like, well, I only spend about 10 minutes a day. Well, then two more minutes won't be that hard. A couple extra verses of Scripture maybe. But increase the time, not just to check a box, but to realize and ask the Lord, God, you're telling me I need life-changing relationships, so what do I need to do so that when I'm in that relationship, I can not only be in that relationship, but I can give life to that relationship, I can invest, I can encourage. How do I make sure that I'm growing in these relationships? 
Spend time with the Lord. Increase your talks with the Lord. Not just reading scripture, feeling good about it, maybe posting a little verse image on social media, but you're actually praying, kneeling, just begging the Lord for, for his leadership, his voice. Beg him to teach you how to have life-changing relationships because even the best of us still struggle with relationships. How do I know this? Because I am not perfect in my relationship with my wife. We've been married 18 and a half years. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I have not perfected that relationship with. I'm not a perfect dad. I'm not perfect pastor. I'm still growing relationships that I have with each of you. So I can tell you from personal experience, I'm not perfect. I've got to increase and ask the Lord, how do I grow? How do I make sure that my relationship with my wife, relationship with my kids, the relationship I have with the church, the relationship I have with missions and service, how it can be more pure and more life-giving and growing and life-changing? How do you need me to do this? Because sometimes God has said, I need you to give. And then sometimes God says, I need you to receive. Give meaning I need you to give a little more time and investment, but sometimes I need you to receive love and investment. Because some of the great things about building relationships is when you just sit there and listen to somebody that loves you so much, they may not give you the the truth that you wanted to hear, but they love you so much, they're going to elevate you by some hard truth or hard love. Man, I love that relationship. I love it when people try to tell me off. Be like, what? I do, because even in the midst of some of that, I hear things that I wouldn't have heard otherwise. And I can grow from every relationship, even the bad ones, but allow it. And the third thing is we got to increase our teachability. If God can't teach you anything, I promise you, you can't build any relationships. If Jesus can't inspire you, if Jesus can't kind of tweak the way that you go about it, if Jesus has no say on how you go about things, it's going to be hard to build life-changing relationships. You have got to remain and stay teachable. I love you. For some of you, you've been in the church for 50, 60 years, obviously longer than I've been alive, but let me tell you something. It doesn't matter. The oldest, the young of us, we're still teachable. And the old of us can be taught by the youngest of us. We need to remain teachable. We need to make sure that everything we do when it comes to Scripture, even if we've heard that Scripture a hundred times, what is it about this time that needs to change from the last time? Be teachable. Build relationships with people that don't look like you. You know how to remain teachable? Do that. Learn. Grow. You need to build healthy relationships with people that don't look like you, don't act like you, don't have the same uh, social status or anything. You need to build relationships with every single person because every person God created can teach you something. Everyone. Even the worst of us. And some of you are like, well, I'm not that smart. I'm telling you, you are so smart. God can teach me through you. I promise you that. It may take a little longer, but God will teach us together as we go. And I want to add a fourth one. I want to add a fourth one. And this is, a long, we've, we've said it a number of times, but mark this one in your notes off the side. It's not going to be on the screen. But I want you to add 20 more, 20% more people in your life than you have right now. That may be like, man, I only have like five, five really true friends. Then find you a sixth one. You do the math. If I'm up here doing the math, it'll get a little shaky after 10 anyway. But put people in your life, people not only that you could be elevated from, but people you can elevate. You with me on that? Don't go look for the pretty people. Don't go look for the wisest people. 
Go look for any person that has a pulse that either can lift you up or you can lift up. And in the best cases, see if you can do both. And watch what God does with you. At the fellowship, we want to be a church that builds life-changing relationships. We want to increase the number of people here, not for our glory, but because we can see the kingdom as relationships are being forged. That's why I said earlier, I think every year it's happened that a, a lady or two has come to the prayer retreat, and they didn't know each other, and all of a sudden they're in a life-changing relationship, and it started with a prayer retreat. Things happened every year. I don't know who it was yesterday. I'll figure that out in the meantime, but I guarantee you it happened. There are going to be some groups of men that are going to start uh, some, some D groups, some every man of warrior groups. We talked about a few weeks ago. If you'd like to be a part of one, come see me, come see Justin. But in that group of men, I guarantee you there's going to be some relationships forwards that you never saw coming. And it's going to be a beautiful thing when the brothers get together and start growing together as one. And we're going to become David and Jonathan's. And we're going to elevate each other, and it's going to make our families better. It's going to make our neighborhoods better. It's going to make our church better as we grow in those relationships together. We need to do it. So as we wrap up, let me just show you a couple of thoughts. When, you, when your life changes because of Jesus, you have to stop fighting. You must stop fighting for your throne and just want his presence. If you want to be a person that demonstrates that you want life-changing relationships, then stop fighting for yours and start asking God for his. Make sense? We watch too many movies. We've seen too much on social media. We watch too many news clips and articles. I'm just going to get mine and I'm going to get it good. Don't get yours because yours is not going to be fulfilling and it's not going to satisfy you. Get what Jesus wants and watch Jesus change your life. Some of you are so upset with the relationships you have because you've been trying to do it your way. Do it Jesus' way. Find life givers, life changers. See what happens with that. You have to ask yourself and you have to face the tension. Am I going to be like Saul and fight for my throne? Or am I going to be like Jonathan and fight for God's presence? That's something you can start right now. I mean, you, and we get ready in just a minute. We're going to have some worship time. As you're, we're going to sing this song, New Wine. Is that correct, Aaron? We're going to sing New Wine. It's a beautiful song that basically says, the old is gone. I want the newness. And this would be a day where you could just come and you could kneel right here and you say, God, these are all my relationships. You could put them on the cross, pin them up there, whatever you need to do. Say, these are relationships that I probably need to just do away with so I can bring in new ones that are going to be life-giving, life-changing. And maybe, God, these relationships that I'm going to pin, I don't want to give them up, but I want to become a life-giver to them. And so would you help me be the life-changing agent so they could see you? But out with the old and in with the new because I've been doing it my way and it's not working. I want to do it your way and your way alone. Which will you choose? This morning as our band comes back up and we begin to enter into that response time, the choices are very clear to me. But let me see if I can make them clear to you. First and foremost, before we talk about any human being, any relationship that we have with any person, the question remains, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you have a life-giving, life-changing, eternal destination-changing relationship with Jesus Christ? If you do not, we are going to have some prayer partners on this side, this side. We're going to have some in the mezzanine up there for those of you who are sitting up there. I will be available. I know several others will be available. We would love to speak to you and say, hey, if you need to know Jesus, that's the best life-changing relationship that we could offer you to you today. We want to make sure you get to know it. Second thing would be, hey, I just got some people in my life I want to pray for. I want to be that life-giving. I want to be the Jonathans in your life. Then you put their names on a card and pin it to the cross. Or maybe they're the ones that they're, 
you feel like maybe you're the saw or you've, you've been getting the saw from them, then you just go and pin those names on the cross and say, Jesus, will you change the relationship, the nature of relationships that I have with these people? And maybe you just say, I want more. God, I, I think you've called me for more. Then you come and you just pray. God, who else in my life, who is here in this church that I need to encourage? Who is in my neighborhood that I need? Who is in my workplace I need to encourage? And you begin to pray for them and build relationships. Because I promise you, the relationships we build are not for our glory and for our kingdom. We are advancing the kingdom of God through the relationships that we get to build. And I don't know about you, but that's the greatest mission ever. And that's the kind of life-changing relationships that we want. So what will you choose today? Will you choose to be Saul and fight for yours? Will you choose to be Jonathan and lift up whoever you come in contact with and fight for the presence of God? And if you don't know which one to choose, then start with the relationship with Jesus. Do I have a saving, eternal relationship with Jesus Christ? Father, it's my prayer that as we enter in this response time that we would ask ourselves that very question. Whom will we choose this day? If it's Jesus, then give us the boldness and courage to step out on faith. Come and talk to a prayer partner, myself, somebody else today, and just say, I need to know Jesus. If God, if there's some relationships in our lives that we're not sure about what we need to do, where the direction we need to head, will we just pray for them this morning? Giving those relationships to you, saying, God, let these relationships be more than just what they are, but life-changing, life-giving. And help us as, us as a church build relationships inside, but really, God, outside the wall so that we can help advance the gospel. Bring us to our knees if you need to this morning so we can understand that there's an opportunity before us, the people we work with, the people we live with, the people around us in our homes, that we need to be about life-changing relationships. Father, this time, this worship response time is going to be for you and for you alone. However you need to move, you move. Holy Spirit, you have full freedom. We just surrender and pause in this moment to whatever you need to do. Change our lives forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.